Hi everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Keith Mayer from Symphony Capital Group. Welcome, Keith. Hey, Rama. Glad to be here. How are you doing? Sure. Doing great. How about you? I'm doing great, man. Couldn't be busier, but that makes me happy. So life is good. Awesome. A little bit about Keith. Keith is a purposeful commercial real estate operator and investor who has participated in a diverse set of investment vehicles within the industry. His family and network of investors have owned and significantly increased the worth of several large manufactured housing communities over the past 25 years. Keith leads the deal sourcing and acquisition side of SCG, working directly with broker and co-sponsors to acquire properties, which meet his team's distinct criteria. Keith focuses on developing win-win partnerships, which are well-defined from inception and, and highly productive upon implementation. So with that, Keith, you want to add anything to your background? No, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to talk about what we've accomplished in over, over the last six to 12 months here at Symphony Capital Group. That's probably going to be the most exciting and relevant to your listeners, but also uh, interested in talking about my background and uh, how I've got to, to where I am today. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into how, how you get into real estate and multifamily space, Keith. Yeah. So I took a pretty uh, common route. You, you'll hear a lot of other multifamily syndicators kind of follow a similar path. Um, although I think I was able to shortcut some of the steps to an extent, which I'm grateful for. Um, my family's always been somewhat involved in, in commercial real estate and residential real estate. Had a couple extended family members who were in residential development back in the Midwest, where I'm originally from. Um, that kind of led to some connections on getting invested in some commercial properties. And then um, my father was looking to kind of uh, own a, some higher producing, higher income properties for our family directly back in the mid 90s and explored all the dis different asset classes that were available. And this was back before internet uh, listings were widely available. So he's doing this primarily through newspapers and trade journals and um, analyzed a couple of different assets like self-storage and office buildings. And of all things landed on mobile home parks. So we took the leap to buy our first mobile home park uh, there in the Cincinnati metro area in the mid nineties operated that uh, all the way through 2020. So about 25 years, uh, picked up some additional properties. And uh, as I went through high school and college, my involvement in the management of those properties became more in depth. Uh, so I was able to get some hands-on experience of what it's like to be an operator, what it's like to run a P&L, uh, what it's like to <laughs> submit a, a rent increase and implement that and uh, manage property managers and, and do hands-on asset management. So that was kind of my um, first foray into the space. And then I've uh, acquired some additional rental properties along the way. And we've been involved in some uh, private syndications um, on the multifamily and retail space as well. So it's really been a good mix of different types of investments and in, in asset classes uh, that I've been able to expedite over the last five or so years here to really build my investment thesis and ultimately drive me to where I am today as a principal in Symphony Capital Group, which is fo focused exclusively on multifamily apartment acquisitions and syndications. 
Yeah, got it. Thank you. So you are primarily focusing on deal, deal acquisition, deal sourcing side. So would you share your process and how you're you know building the track record to win the deals? Yeah, so we've actually taken a multifaceted approach uh, because it, this is such a competitive landscape currently. Uh, so our approach is twofold. We've really worked to build up our brand and our our profile and our exposure um, through a couple different channels, social media, uh, YouTube channel content, podcasts that our principals host and appear as guests on, such as this one, um, our uh, Instagram, Facebook accounts, uh, our presence at conferences, and um, a mastermind that actually uh, Ellis Hammond, my, my business partner, runs out here in San Diego um, as well. That's commercial real estate focused. So uh, that's really produced a lot of exposure to uh, successful investors and active investors across multiple markets throughout the country. Um, and that's been great in building partnerships. I mean, we such of the so much of the screening and legwork is accomplished when you get to know somebody through through a mastermind or through um, you know, working with them on a regular basis. Um, so by the time that a live deal pops up in one of our markets that we're interested in partnering on, uh, we just have so much of that initial introductory legwork taken care of. So um, that's been very productive. We closed on a number of deals over the last 12 months um, through those channels. Um, that's been our probably our primary source of deals and acquisitions to date. On the flip side, uh, what we've learned through that is that as we build our capability, our equity raise capability and our ability to close on larger deals um, that we really need to, to be focused and ultra driven within a lesser number of markets. So uh, that was an exercise that we took towards the end of last year was to do kind of a SWOT analysis of what, what we have in-house, what needs to be outsourced, what our strongest key relationships are, and in which markets those relationships lie. So um, at present, that has driven us to focus on the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. And uh, with that, we've taken really a different approach of being much more um, uh, outgoing, I would say, that, than incoming in terms of our, our deal flow through the, the co-sponsorship strategy that I mentioned firstly. Um, a lot of that was incoming deal flow of someone that we'd build a relationship with that might be in a, a Sunbelt market um, that we don't have an existing presence in, but they're local to the market. And they would reach out with a deal and see if we could partner with them on that. With this current strategy, it's it's really much more of us building local relationships with owners, operators, brokers, uh, lenders, property managers, uh, insurance providers. And really, you need to build up that entire full team ahead of time before you can be taken seriously in this ultra competitive landscape. So that's what we've been working uh, the past couple months on on doing. And uh, it's fortunately proven uh, fruitful as, as we're um, getting towards the finish line on several deals uh, within that Dallas-Fort Worth market. Got it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and you mentioned uh, last, uh, maybe last six to 12 months, you, uh, your team closed three to four deals. So would you share a little bit more about those deals and, and any challenging experiences with those, those deals? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, been a, a bit of a variety. Uh, we've had some of your more traditional value-add, 1970s build, uh, original owner. Um, we actually sourced two deals off-market through that strategy, um, where it was a longtime owner who just hadn't upgraded the property, hadn't kept rents up to market, but they were very well-located um, properties in, in central, big, big city, big metro areas. 
So um, pretty straightforward in terms of the value add strategy there. Um, and again, we were able to build our team as far as lenders that would loan on a pretty heavy construction budget, uh, property management teams that had construction and heavy res- renovation expertise as well, so that we felt confident in executing our CapEx and improvement plan and meeting our, our three-year um, renovation timelines and pro forma projections. Got it. Got it. A- any challenging experiences uh, from lending point of view or raising capital or managing those properties? You know, there's always challenges and the the timeframes that we need to operate in these days to ultimately win and close on deals. Um, it's not only the offer price that goes into uh, you being awarded a deal. It's also your terms like your due diligence and closing timeframe are involved as well. So the days of having 60 days due diligence and another 60 days to close are just out the window. Um, so a lot has to happen uh, within the first 30 days for you to feel completely confident that you're you're going to close on the deal and, and deploy and invest that investor capital um, and, and move forward on that project. And all this time you're, you're promoting the deal, you're uh, speaking with potential investors, answering their questions, um, you're doing due diligence and adjusting your numbers as information comes in from inspections. And then, oh, by the way, you need to have uh, dozens of investors wire in money all within a specific time frame so that you can make the down payment to the escrow company and, and be able to close on the deal. So it's a lot of plates spinning at once. I'd say it's always challenging. But again, fortunately, we we had prior uh, experience and we're wise in building up our systems and, and our team in place to be able to feel confident going into even our first deal that we'd be able to close. Got it. So what kind of systems your team built? Uh, so we use a couple of different software platforms, um, both internally and externally facing. Uh, we have a CRM system that we use to just document our, our relationships and conversations, both with investors, with partners, with service providers. Um, and that's make, makes it easier to go back and, and remember conversations, set reminders to follow up. Um, that's a pretty basic system um, that's, re- that's really easy to use. On our actual deal management, we use a syndication portal called Sinpro. Um, so that's a portal that our uh, investors go in to see a investment prospectus or offering memorandum, uh, to see recordings of our webinars and to see deal specifics. And then if they're interested in, in, in getting into an investment, they would make a soft commit through that system. They'd be delivered the offering materials like the subscription agreement, operating agreements, uh, private placement memorandum. They can sign, docu-sign those items through the portal, and then they're ultimately giving uh, wiring wiring instructions to wire in those funds through that portal as well. And then um, ongoing operational updates post close are are delivered within that portal as well as uh, financial accounting and distribution. So it's kind of a one stop shop, um, both on the upfront capital raise um, deal promotion side, as well as the ongoing asset management side, as far as the investor is concerned. Got it. Got it. So uh, how do you see like market going from multifamily space, you know, from interest rates and, you know, cap rates point of view? You know, you hear a lot recently about that there just has to be a a slowdown or even a recession, um, a correction in the multifamily space. And I think people say that without really analyzing what's what's real uh, as far as as data. Um, That's more emotionally driven just because it's been going so well for so long and uh, cap rates and yields have compressed for such a long time. And now we're facing a real um, tangible interest rate rise. Um, 
but you know, I've, we, my team at Symphony has worked to really be in depth and on the cutting edge and forefront of what's going on in uh, our, our focal submarkets as well as the national landscape. And there are just so many tailwinds uh, that are going to push multifamily investing further and further for the next five to 10 years that we don't see any significant shift or slowdown um, in, in this space. Um, will we see 20% annual rent growth in most markets for the next five years? Probably not. But even if we see four or 5%, um, that's good enough to make the numbers work. And that's what we continue to underwrite towards, uh, to keep our numbers conservative. That's what our lenders continue to analyze towards when they're granting 75% loan to cost uh, loans on these projects. So I think that the cataclysmic event of you know, what we saw in the last real estate crisis where there was just subprime lending and underwriting um, is not, not the case um, at present. I think you're still seeing prudent conservative underwriting, uh, conservative leverage being deployed um, so that even the, the worst case scenario in a lot of these is investments is much better than the best case scenario in a lot of alternative investments that um, that our nation is, is uh, has available at present. So, um, and the uh, shift of money coming from outside sources in, into multifamily seeking not only higher yields, but a safe haven has just been so noticeable throughout the past two years through the pandemic. Um, you've seen capital from other commercial real estate uh, institutional asset classes like office and retail, you know, so seeing how, how vulnerable those classes can be, not only from uh, stay-at-home orders where you, you literally can't go to a brick-and-mortar retail shop, but also the advancements of just demographic trends as far as online uh, ordering and e-commerce and, and uh, work from home. Um, as far as uh, remote work, technology enabled work, as far as um, office investments are concerned. So those are long-term trends that were already underway that have been accelerated over the last couple of years. Um, and all that is to say, there's just been such an influx of capital into multifamily that still has not been able to be deployed that we see that backlog still working through the system over the next couple of years here. So I, I still anticipate um, great things in this space. Great, yep, thank you very much. And uh, would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far? Probably for me, been being able to to educate and take advantage of the tax benefits of this space. That's probably the most frequent conversation topic that I have these days when I talk with investors about what attracts them uh, to getting into multifamily syndications. Most of our investors are high net worth and they've made a good living in a different professional career. Um, maybe they are even small business owners, um, so they have high income, but unfortunately, they're not able to retain that income because of the nature of how our country's tax code works. So um, they get frustrated with that after a while, and um, they hear through multiple channels about the tax benefits of commercial real estate. And um, that's something that we really work to be on the forefront of, of being able to educate and promote those tax benefits and then be able to implement and capitalize on those within our, our open investments. Um, so having gone through um, a couple of 1031 exchanges um, personally and, and being privy to how magical that is in terms of tax deferments um, and then still being able to capitalize on um, cash out refinances where you're able to pull out that equity um, from the investments that you were able to make with those funds on your previous property and still not pay taxes because 
um, loans and debt are not taxable events. I mean, it's really the best of both worlds. And there's just aren't many alternate investments uh, these days where you can get that that double whammy effect. So that's something that's been really rewarding and really inspiring, uh, being able to see those those tax benefits in this asset class firsthand. Got it. Uh, would you also share any of your challenging experiences in multifamily space? Um, you know, right now it's been just on the acquisition side, uh, for the most part, um, you know, you, you think you put together a really competitive winning offer and then, um, someone comes in last minute and says, I'll, I'll pay $50 million all cash. <laughs> and it's just virtually impossible to compete in that type of, of case. So, um, we've really had to hone in on developing those relationships with owners and, and listing brokers in our target markets. So that we're getting real clear, honest communication up front to make sure that we're not wasting either party's time. Um, you know, we, we understand what's important to the seller, um, making sure that we're tailoring our, our uh, offer to uh, those, those metrics that are most important to that seller. And then staying in communication if anything does shift over the offering timeframe prior to call for offers. So uh, that's really proven proven key um, to have that clear and open line of communication and then having your team set up to be able to move quickly. Um, if things do shift or change, um, you want to prevent pre- present the most compelling offer that you can. So having your equity sources really lined up and ready to go, go to bat and vouch for you, having your debt sources lined up as well, um, having that prior track record established. Uh, and just really having that team assembled, um, not not procrastinating and putting that, putting that off to the last minute. Um, I can't recommend, recommend highly enough to be as proactive as you can in that regard. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Any uh, one advice that you received, how impact that? Oh, yeah, best advice I've received. Yeah, um, r- really, I, I say this pretty often, but uh, still stands out as probably number one in my mind is to uh, reach out for referrals and don't be shy about seeking referrals. I think that's such a shortcut to getting ahead in this world, uh, and especially in this industry. Um, if you can get a direct recommendation from a trusted colleague or a mentor or someone who's been there, done that, um, and they're going to give you a rec- recommendation on a service provider that they've been really happy with, I mean, that is so much easier than trying to start from scratch and searching online to try to find who the best property manager in Charlotte is or who the best uh, renovation contractor in Phoenix is. And then interviewing and vetting uh, a couple different companies and then trying a few out and being unhappy with them. I mean, that's months and months and months of time and aggravation. But if you can have a direct recommendation from someone who's already has a success story from someone you know and trust, that is absolutely the way to go. So be aggressive in seeking those. And most people are, are happy to give out that advice. I mean, they're pleased to talk about something that's worked out well for them and to share that knowledge and, and help other people. So that would probably be my top piece of advice these days. Got it. Uh, and any books that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, a book uh, that, I, that I love that I always recommend is Raising Capital for Real Estate by Hunter Thompson. Uh, it's really the first time where I saw the full broad picture painted of what it's like to start from scratch, trying to develop relationships with people that you're asking to invest thousands and millions of dollars with um, and understanding that mentality and psychology and and how to systematize your your relationship building with them essentially. So it's, uh, you know, kind of technical in some aspects, but just kind of more personal and, and psychological in some aspects as well. So I thought that that did a really comprehensive job of um, understanding how you need to approach that and how to build those systems. Yeah. 
How about you giving back to community? Yeah, the, so the way I like to give back is through mentorship as well. I'm grateful for the mentors and the people that have helped me along my journey. Um, so I always keep my my phone, my calendar, my email inbox open for people that reach out and are looking for for advice or just looking for guidance on on any particular area. So yeah, happy to happy to continue to reach out in that regard. And how can listeners can connect with you? Yep. So my company is Symphony Capital Group. We're at symphonycapgroup.com. My email is Keith at symphonycapitalgroup.com. We are all over Instagram and Facebook. We have a YouTube channel, uh, and then our uh, we have a podcast called The Future of Real Estate that we just launched this year. Really, really cool. Where we're talking about some innovative topics like uh, tiny homes, blockchain, um, alternative investments within the space. Uh, so that's the future of real estate. You can find us on all the major uh, podcast platforms as well. Cool. And uh, thank you, Keith. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And thanks for adding value to the show. Absolutely. Happy to, Rama. It's been a pleasure. Good talking with you. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Thank you.